Welcome to David R. Wellens Read Dramatic Poetry. And we're continuing with in this episode with William Blake, um, his uh, long poem, Visions of the Daughters of Albion. And here's the commentary. This work, dated 1793, on the title page, is one of Blake's early illuminated books. And like his later and longer works, is written in what Blake called the long, resounding, strong, heroic verse of seven foot lines. Unlike the timid heroine of the Book of Thel, the virgin Uthun dares to break through into adult sexuality, symbolized by her plucking a marigold and placing it between her breasts, and sets out, in joy- and sets out joyously to join her lover, Theotormen, whose realm is the Atlantic Ocean. She is stopped and raped by Bromian, who appears as a thunderstorm. The jealous Theotormen condemning the, the vic, con, condemning victim as well as the rapist binds the two back to back in a cave and sits weeping on the threshold. The rest of the work consists of monologues by the three characters who remain fixed in these postures. Throughout the stage tableau, the daughters of Albion serve as the chorus who, in a recurrent refrain, echo the woes and sighs of Uthun, but not her call to rebellion. This simple drama is densely significant, for as Blake's compressed allusions indicate, the characters, events, and monologues have diverse areas of application. Blake's abrupt opening word, which he etched in very large letters, is enslaved, and the work as a whole embodies his view that contemporary men, and even more women, in a spiritual parallel to shackled black slaves, are in bondage to oppressive concepts and codes in all aspects of perception, thought, social institutions, and actions. As indicated by the refrain of the Daughters of Albion, that is, contemporary English women, Uthun is one aspect of uh, Uthun in one aspect represents the sexual disabilities and slave-like status of all women in the male-dominated society. But as the soft soul of America, she is also the revolutionary nation that had recently won political emancipation, yet continued to tolerate an agricultural system that involved black slavery and to acquiesce in the crass economic exploitation of her soft American plains. At the same time, Uthun is represented in the situation of a black female slave who has been branded, whipped, raped, and impregnated by her master. Correlatively, the speeches of the boastful Bromian show him to be not only a sexual exploiter of women and a cruel and acquisitive slave owner, but also a general proponent of the use of force to achieve mastery in wars in an oppressive legal system, and in a religious morality based on the fear of hell. The Atormen is represented 
as even more contemptible. Broken and paralyzed by the prohibitions of a puritanical religion, he denies any possibility of achieving joys in this life, despairs of the power of intellect and imagination to improve the human condition, and rationalizing his own incapacity, bewails Uthun's daring to think and act other than he does. Uthun's long and passionate oration that concludes the poem celebrates a free sexual life for both women and men. Blake, however, uses this open and unpossessive sexuality to typify the realization of all human potentialities and to represent an outgoing altruism as opposed to an enclosed self-centeredness, the self-love that envies all. To such a suspicious egotism as her illusion indicate, Uthun attributes the tyranny of uniform moral laws imposed on variable individuals, a rigidly institutional religion, the acquisitiveness, acquisitiveness that derives the system of commerce and the property rights in another person that are established by the marriage contract. Blake's poem reflects some prominent happenings of the years of its composition, 1791 to 1793. This was not only the time when the revolutionary spirit had moved from America to France and affected reverberations in England, but also the time of rebellions by black slaves in the Western Hemisphere and of widespread debate in England about the abolition of the slave trade. Blake, while composing the visions, had illustrated the sadistic punishments inflicted on rebellious slaves in his engravings for J.G. Stedman's In Narrative of Five Years' Expedition Against Revolted Negroes of Suriname. Blake's championing of women's liberation parallels some of the views expressed in The Vindication of the Rights of Women, published in 1792 by Mary Woolen Stockcraft, whom Blake knew and admired, and for whom he had illustrated a book the year before. And here's the poem, Visions of the Daughters of Albion. The eye sees more than the heart knows. The argument. I loved the atormen, and I was not ashamed. I trembled in my virgin fears, and I hid in Luatha's veil. I plucked Luatha's flower, and I rose up from the veil. But the terrible thunders tore my virgin mantle in twain. Visions. Enslaved by the daughters of Albion, weep a trembling lamentation upon their mountains, in their valleys, sighs toward America. For the soft soul of America, Luthun wandered in woe, along the vales of Lutha, seeking flowers to comfort her, and thus she spoke to the bright marigold of Lutha's vale. Art thou a flower? Art thou a nymph? 
I see thee now a flower, now a nymph. I dare not pluck thee from thy dewy bed. The golden nymph replied, Pluck thou my flower within the mild. Another flower shall spring, because the soul of sweet delight can never pass away. She ceased and closed her golden shrine. Then Uthun plucked the flower, saying, I pluck thee from thy bed, sweet flower, and put thee here to glow between my breasts. And thus I turn my face to where my whole soul seeks. Over the waves she went in winged, exulting, swift delight, and over the Atormans' reign took her impetuous course. Bromian rent her with his thunders. On his stormy bed lay the faint maid, and soon her woes appalled his thunders hoarse. Bromian spoke, Behold this harlot here on Bromian's bed, and let the jealous dolphins sport around the lovely maid. Thy soft American plains are mine, and mine thy north and south. Stamped with my signet are the swarthy children of the sun. They are obedient, they resist not, they obey the scourge. Their daughters worship terrorists and obey the violent. Now thou mayst marry Bromian's harlot and protect the child of Bromian's rage, and Uthun shall put forth in nine moons' time. Then storms rent the Atormans' limbs. He rolled his waves around and folded his black jealous waters around the adulterate pair. Bound back to back in Bromian's caves, terror and meekness dwell. At entrance, the Atormans sits wearing the threshold hard with secret tears. Beneath him sound like waves on a desert shore. The voice of slaves beneath the sun, the children bought with money that shiver in religious caves beneath the burning fires of lust, that belch incessant from the summits of the earth. Uthun weeps not. She cannot weep. Her tears are locked up, but she can howl incessant, wreathing her soft snowy limbs and calling the Atarman's eagles to prey upon her flesh. I call with holy voice, kings of the sounding air, Rend away this defiled bosom that I may reflect the image of Theotormen on my pure, transparent breast. The eagles, at her call, descended and rend their bleeding prey. Theotormen severely smiles. Her soul reflects the smile as the clear spring, mud, muddy, mudded with fret, a breast grows pure and smiles. The daughters of Albion hear her woes and echo back her sighs. Why does my Theotormen sit weeping upon the threshold and Uthun hovers by his side, persuading him in vain? I cry, Arise, O Theotormen, for the village dog barks at the breaking day. The nightingale has done lamenting. The, dark, the lark does rustle in the ripe corn, and the eagle returns from nightly prey and lifts his golden beak to the pure east, shaking the dust from his immortal pinions to awake the sun that sleeps too long. Arise, my Theotormen, I am pure, because the night is gone that clothes me in its deadly black.
They told me that the night and day were all that I could see. They told me that I had five senses to enclose me up, and they enclosed my infinite brain into a narrow circle and sunk my heart into the abyss, a red round globe hot burning, till all from life I was obliterated and erased. Instead of morn arises a bright shadow like an eye in the eastern cloud. Instead of night, a sickly charned charnel house that Theotarman hears me not. To him the night and morn are both alike, a night of sighs, a morning of fresh tears. And none but Bromian can hear my lamentations. With what sense is it that the chicken shuns the ravenous hawk? With what sense does the tame pigeon measure out the expense? Uh, out, out the expanse? With what sense does the bee form cells? Have not the mouse and frog eyes and ears and sense of touch? Yet are their habitations and their pursuits as different as their forms and as their joys. Ask the wild ass why he refuses burdens, and the meek camel why he loves man. Is it because of eye, ear, mouth, or skin, or breathing nostrils? No, for these the wolf and tiger have. Ask the blind worm the secrets of the grave, and why her spires love to curl round the bones of death. And ask the ravenous snake where she gets poison, and the winged eagle why he loves the sun. And then tell me the thoughts of man that have been hid of old. Silent I hover all the night, and all day could be silent, if Theotormen once would turn his loved eyes upon me. How can I be defiled when I reflect thy image pure? Sweetest the fruits that the worm feeds on, and the soul preyed on by woe. The new-washed lamb, tinged with the village smoke, and the bright swan by the red earth of our mortal river. I bathe my wings, and I am white and pure to hover round Theotormen's breast. Then Theotormen broke his silence, and he answered, Tell me, what is the night or day to one overflowed with woe? Tell me, what is the thought, and of what substance is it made? Tell me, what is a joy? And in what gardens do joys grow? And in what rivers swim their sor the sorrows? And upon what mountains wave shadows of discontent? And in what houses dwell the wretched, drunken, with woe forgotten and shut up from cold despair? Tell me where dwell the thoughts, forgotten till thou call them forth. Tell me where dwell the joys of old and where the ancient loves. And when will they renew again in the nights of oblivion pass, that I might traverse time and spaces far remote, and bring comforts into a present sorrow and a night of pain? Where goest thou, O thought, to what remote land is thy flight? If thou returnest to the present moment of affliction, wilt thou bring comforts on thy wings, and dews and honey and balm, or poison from the desert wilds, from the eyes of the envier.
Then Bromian said, and shook the cavern with his lamentation, Thou knowest that the ancient trees seen by thine eyes have fruit, but knowest thou that trees and fruits flourish upon the earth to gratify senses unknown, trees, beasts, and birds unknown, unknown, not unperceived, spread in the infinite microscope, in places yet unvisited by the voyager, and in worlds over another kind of seas, and in atmospheres unknown. Ah, are there other wars beside the wars of sword and fire? Are there other, are, and are there other sorrows beside the sorrows of poverty? And are there other joys beside the joys of riches and ease? And is there not one law for both the lion and the ox? And is there not eternal fire and eternal chains to bind the phantoms of existence from eternal life? Then Uthun waited silent all the day and all the night. But when the morn arose, her lamentation renewed. The daughters of Albion hear her woes and echo back her sighs. O Urizen, creator of men, mistaken demon of heaven, thy joys are tears, thy labor vain, to form men to thine image. How can one joy absorb another, and not different joys? Holy, eternal, infinite, and each joy is a love. Does not the great mouth laugh at a gift, and the narrow eyelids mock at the labor that is above payment? And wilt thou take the ape for thy counselor, or the dog for a schoolmaster to thy children? Does he who condemns poverty, and he who turns with abhorrence from usury, feel the same passion, or are they moved alike? How can the giver of gifts experience the delights of the merchant? How the industrious citizen, the pains of the husbandman? How different, far, the fat-fed hireling with hollow drum, who buys whole cornfields into wastes and sings upon the heath? How different their eye and ear, how different the world to them! With what sense does the parson claim the labor of the farmer? What are his nets and gins and traps, and how does he surround him with cold floods of abstraction? and with force of solitude to build him castles and high spires where kings and priests may dwell till she who burns with youth and knows no fixed lot is bound in spells of law to one she loathes and must she drag the chain of life in weary lust must chilling murderous thoughts obscure the clear heaven of her eternal spring to bear the wintry rage of a harsh terror driven to madness, bound to hold a rod over her drinking sho shrinking shoulders all the day and all the night, to turn the wheel of false desire and longings that wake her womb to the abhorred birth of cherubs in the human form that live a pestilence and die a meteor and are no more, till the child dwell with one he hates and do the deed he loathes, and the impure scourge fierce his seed, force his seed into its unripe birth. Ere yet his eyelids can behold the arrows of the day.
Does the whale worship at thy footstep as the hungry dog? Or does the scent the mountains pray because his nostrils wide draw in the ocean? Does his eye discern the flying cloud as the raven's eye? Or does he measure the expanse like the vulture? Does the still spider view the cliffs where eagles hide their young? Or does the fly rejoice because the harvest is brought in? Does not the eagle scorn the earth and despise the treasures beneath? But the whole, the, but the mole knoweth what is there, and the worm shall tell it thee. Does not the worm erect a pillar in the moldering churchyard, and a palace of eternity in the jaws of hungry of the hungry grave? Over the, his porch, these words are written. Take thy bliss, O man, and sweet shall be thy taste, and sweet thy infinite joys renew. Infancy, fearless, lustful, happy, nestling for delight in laps of pleasure, innocence, honest, open, seeking the vigorous joys of morning light, open to virgin bliss, who taught thee modesty, settled modesty, child of night and sleep, when thou awakest, wilt thou dissemble all thy secret joys? Or wert thou not awake when all this mystery was disclosed? Then comest thou forth a modest virgin, knowing to dissemble with nets found under the night pillow to catch virgin joy, and brand it with the name of whore and sell it in the night, in silence, even without a whisper, and in seeming sleep, religious dreams and holy vespers light thy smoky fires. Once were thy fires lighted by the eyes of honest morn, and does thy theotormen seek this hypocrite modesty, this knowing, artful, secret, fearful, cautious, trembling hypocrite? Then is Uthun a whore indeed, and all the virgin joys of life are harlots. And Theotormen is a sick man's dream, and Uthun is the crafty slave of selfish holiness. But Uthun is not so, a virgin filled with virgin fancies, open to joy and to delight, wherever beauty appears, if in the morning sun I find it, where my eyes are fixed, in happy copulation, if in evening mild, wearied with work, sit on a bank and draw the pleasures of this free-born joy the moment of desire the moment of desire the virgin that pines for man shall awaken her womb to enormous joys in the secret shadows of her chamber the youth shut up from the lustful joy shall forget to generate and create an amorous image in the shadows of his curtains and in the folds of his silent pillow. Are not these the places of religion, the rewards of continence, the self-enjoyings of self-denial? Why dost seek religion? Is it because acts are not lovely that thou seekest solitude? Where the horrible darkness is impressed with reflections of desire? Father of jealousy, be thou accursed from the earth. Why hast thou taught my Theotormen this accursed thing? Till beauty fades off, 
fades from off my shoulders, darken and cast out, a solitary shadow wailing on the margin of non-entity. I cry, love, 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 happy, happy love, free as the mountain wind. Can that be love that drinks another as a sponge drinks water, that clouds with jealousy his night, with weepings all the day, to spin a web of age around him, gray and hoary, dark, till his eyes sicken at the fruit that hangs before his sight? Such is self-love that envies all, a creeping skeleton with lamp-like eyes watching around the frozen marriage bed. But silken nests, but silken nets and traps of adamant will Uthan spread and catch for thee girls of mild silver or of furious gold. I'll lie beside thee on a bank and view their wanton play. In lovely copulation, bliss on bliss with Theotormen, red as the rosy morning, lustful as the firstborn beam, Uthun shall view his dear delight, nor e'er with jealous cloud come in the heavens of generous love, nor selfish blightings bring. Does the sun walk in glorious raiment on the secret floor, where the cold miser spreads his gold? Or does the bright cloud drop on his stone threshold? Does his eye behold the beam that brings expansion to the eye of pity? Or will he bind himself besides the ox to thy hand furrow? Does not that mild beam blot the, bar, the bat, the owl, the glowing tiger, and the king of night? The sea fowl take the wintry blast for a covering to her limbs, and the wild snake the pestilence to adorn him with gems and gold, and trees and birds and beasts and men behold their eternal joy. Arise, you little glancing wings, and sing your infant joy. Arise and drink your bliss, for everything that lives is holy. Thus every morning wails Uthun, but Theotormen sits upon the margined ocean, conversing with shadows dire. The daughters of Albion hear her woes and echo back her sighs. 1791 to 1793. Published 1793. And that's it for this, this episode. Um, that was... That was um, that was William Blake's Visions of the Daughters of Albion. Next time we'll we'll read uh, the Marriage of Heaven and Hell by William Blake. Thank you very much for tuning in and have a great day.